you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, coming over with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to see the video version of this. You can see it on video as well. Most of the podcast syndication is all audio, but uh, you can have the visual stimuli stimuli that's always a good thing to have i hear it's kind of fun you go to youtube.com forward slash chris voss hit the bell notification button or refer the show to your friends neighbors and relatives at uh the chris voss or the cvpn.com you can also go to goodreads.com for just chris voss see all the good stuff we have going on there also uh, you can take and go to facebook.com forward slash the Chris Voss show and uh, see all the different posts and different things we're doing there. We always interview the most brilliant people, CEOs and authors on the show. And today we're in, interviewing an incredible uh, author on her latest and newest book, Andrea Fischenfeld. Uh She is uh, a woman who kickstarted her entertainment career with freeform productions and independent companies she built into an award-winning multi-service tv and digital content producer she's delivered over 200 productions for fortune 500 companies major networks and global brands after developing several scripted and unscripted tv concepts in 2015 she chased her ultimate dream writing with fiction uh her debut novel completion was released in april 2018 and is now being adapted for television her second novel a rainbow like you will be talking about today welcome to the show how are you thank you great i'm doing great COVID awesome first. sauce <laughs> Awesome sauce. So uh, you've got the book out now, A Rainbow Like You. Uh, give us the plugs on where people can find it on the interwebs and order it up. Yeah, right now it's available on Amazon, of course. Barnes & Noble picked it up in the U.S. So you can find it in stores there and online. And it'll be um, in Chapters Indigo sometime later in November. There you go. Uh, A Rainbow Like You. Uh, tell us about this novel and uh, kind of give us a uh, kind of maybe a heads up sky view of uh, what it's about. Well, the, the book is about um, this sort of struggling rock and roller, Adrian Jasper Johnson. And he has just come off of a year in exile and he's back on tour with his band. And uh, he finds this teen runaway hiding in his tour bus. So the story ends up being very much about the journey of their interaction and what, how they uh, impact each other as the story moves along. Nice. And so uh, it's about their adventures, what they get into uh, and everything. What, what led you to want to write a novel on this topic? What, was, what motivated you about this subject matter? Well, that's an interesting question because there was sort of a big macro question that I thought about when I started writing this story, which is, what does it mean to be a musician in the year 2020, you know, COVID notwithstanding? And from there, all the kind of micro themes trickled out of there. I thought about digitization and how all these entertainment industries have been impacted, you know, publishing, film and television, um, and also mu music. And musicians, I think, have gotten the short end of the stick because tragically, sadly, 
with digitization and all these streaming services, most musicians only make pennies on the dollar for mm. their core product, the songs, which is a, a bit of a scam. Um, and unfortunately, they, the only way they can make most of their revenue is through sort of relentless touring and yeah. selling merchandise on tour. And then from there, I sort of shone a spotlight on, well, what is the touring life all about? And it's actually really hard. You know, it's this very nomadic, isolating experience, and you are always grappling with these really extreme emotional highs and lows. And while you're on tour, relationships are always under strain. You know, you have like not just the bickering and the infighting with the band, but everyone's trying to maintain, you know, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends, etc. You know, and it ends up being a really intense environment. And then for me as a writer, it was kind of a, a gold mine because I thought I love to find settings that have a lot of that natural tension. So this pot boiler environment on being on tour just felt like gold. And all I really needed to do is find the characters and the journey to set against that great backdrop. Wow. Now, I noticed there's a guitar in your background uh, there. Uh, those of uh, who aren't watching on YouTube, uh, you've got a guitar in the back. Uh, is, there, is there a little bit of you in this story? Well, absolutely. And one of the re personal reasons that motivated me to write this story is that I caught the concert bug as a teenager and have since seen over 400 live shows in my life, wow. going across the world, seeing all these great bands play in I iconic musical venues. And I always thought in the back of my mind, gee, what's it like to be a musician? What's it like to be on tour? So this book is a little bit of my homage to all the musicians who have rocked my world. There you go. That's a lot of concerts to go to. Uh, have you ever tried writing your own music or putting in anything out? Well, it's funny you mention that because uh, released with the book was an original song, which is also called A Rainbow Like You. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Music. And when I started writing the story and the, the, the main character of Adrian and the runaway Hastings started to interact on the page, I knew right then that there was going to be a song with the book. I didn't know how. I didn't know why. And uh, I kind of approached it in a bit of a Pollyanna stage in terms of, oh, I'll just find a producer, I'll find a singer. And that ended up being quite the journey unto itself. But the song rocks. It's really good. I've had so much good feedback on it. Now, do you sing on the song? Do you, you perform on the song, I'm sure? I do not. I actually went full method oh. on this. And I've oh. attributed the song to the lead character in the story, Adrian Johnson. And I will tell you right now for any author who's thinking of creating a song for a book and you're not going to be the singer, watch out because I spent all of January, February, and March of this year trying to find a singer. Wow. Yeah, it, is it anybody we know that's uh, singing or, or playing on the Well, he's uh, chosen songs? to remain anonymous because, again, oh. I've attributed his voice to being this fictitious character, Adrian. Oh. And um, But... When I, I was really in a dark moment come March because I thought, oh, I've been pitching that there's going to be a song with this book. Everyone's expecting it. And I thought, whoa, where's my singer? And then he came out of the blue and there was just, he, I immediately loved his voice. And because the character in the story, Adrian, is a huge Jimi Hendrix fan mm. and the, the, fictitious, the, the band Size of the Scandal encores with Jimi Hendrix songs. When this singer sent me his demos, he plays in a band and they do a lot of cover songs. And one of the songs that they covered was a Jimi Hendrix song. At that point, it was like, whoa, the heavens all aligned. Nice. So how often does, I mean, this seems pretty unique. I mean, I we do a lot of books and authors on the show. Uh, this is the first one that I've ever interviewed that's got a song that comes with it, that, which is really cool. Is, is this, uh, are there many other books that come out this way? Or is this kind of a, a unique novelty that you came up with? 
It's absolutely a novelty. And it's it's been really cool, actually, because whenever I talk about the fact that there's a song with a story, that's one of the first things that people's eyes just light up. They just go, wow, that's, I've never heard of that. And that it's, it's an interesting selling point, but it's also a launching pad to kind of discuss a little bit about the story. And the cool thing about the song is that, you know, people love music. You know, music is the fabric of our lives. And it's been interesting that this story has come out in a time when there are no more live shows to attend. And it, just in my discussion with people, it's been a real, it's been a real drag because live shows create so many great memories for us. You know, it's not just the anticipation of going to a concert, but then, you know, the night of you're out with friends, you're getting a little bit drunk and then you're seeing your favorite band, hear your favorite song. I mean, those are things that you remember for the rest of your life. And all of a sudden, not having that outlet, that experience, like for me, it's been a real drag too. But for everybody else, it's been interesting hearing their stories and how much they really want live music to come back. Wow. So do you package the song with the book? Like if you buy the hard copy of the book or do you get a, just a link to the, the, the Spotify link? You know, I'm not one of those musicians who rely on all the music streamers. So. Okay. <laughs> You know, CDs are kind of a thing of the past. You know, even my laptop doesn't support CDs anymore. So and that felt like a whole kind of dinosaur world to live in. So, no, it's all streaming. I think this is cool, though. This is definitely a feature of, of you know, extra. You get a book and a song, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like I said, it's been, uh, the feedback has been fantastic. And it's it's definitely a unique uh, pairing and, um, if it's in you and you want to do it, go for it. But again, it's, it's all sort of project dependent. And like I said, I knew when I was started to write this story that there would be a song and that's just how it happened. So getting into some of the characters about the book, uh, let's talk about some of the lead characters and, and how you flesh them out, develop them and, and, uh, some of the things that readers are going to be looking forward to, to, to learn about and see in the book. Well, great. Well, I'll start with the first character whose name is Adrian and he's, um, when I started writing the story, I also knew intrinsically that I didn't want this to be a sex, drugs, and rock and roll story. And I kind of blame my, my industry, the film and television industry, for, you know, perpetuating these sort of stereotypes, these archetypical characters that you really see. And, you know, you kind of hear about a, a book set in the music industry and you think, oh, you're going to have this, like, this rock god character. You're going to have, like, the tyrannical manager, blah, blah, blah. So I thought like, nope, don't wanna write that story. I need to come to the table with something fresh, something unique. So as I developed Adrian, I really kind of kept that at my forefront of my mind in terms of what kind of layers, what kind of quirks did I wanna give him? And um, I think that's really come through in, in a great way. And, and just the reviews that have come in early on the books, they, they're, they're surprising, you know? They, Adrian has really resonated with people because he's not your standard rock and roll star. I imagine there is some a uh, bit of cliche to a lot of rock and roll stories. I mean, you know, the way they the way they go down. And uh, as they go through the adventures, was there was there anything you learned about rock and roll in your research on it, or uh, traveling, or or uh, was there anything that stood out to you that the reader will be like, "Aha, it's going to be very interesting." Well, kind of the, the Hollywood hook of the story, um, and I always encourage writers to, to synthesize what the Hollywood hook of their story is, is the fact that Adrian is colorblind. He has a very rare form mm. of colorblindness called tritinopia. And Hastings, the runaway that he finds in his tour bus, is a cynocyte. So she has chromesthesia, which is a sound color association. Mm. She can see music in color. 
So when she finds out that he's struggling and is colorblind, she kind of offers to help. And that's really, like I said, the hook that brings them together. Although that from where it goes from there is very kind of unexpected wild ride. Wow. Wow. Do you see this book as a series or is this going to encapsulate the, the, the sum total of it and you move on to something else? No, right now I'm developing it as a movie. I have some interest oh. from a couple of players already. Um, it's it's definitely more of a standalone. I know that the trend is to try to create TV series, but I think with this with this story, it's more movie type format. There you go. It could be in theaters near you. I mean, books always turn out as great movies. Well, usually, I suppose. Um, you know, it depends on who directs them and, and all that good stuff. I think uh, who's the horror writer? Uh, Stephen King. He probably you know he probably agree with that. <laughs> Well, you know what? The funny thing is it takes it takes so long. And of course, coming from the industry, I understand all the different parameters and you'd think it would be easy to kind of bring it together. But, you know, that whole industry has really suffered, too. And before you could be you used to be able to like stuff Tom Cruise or Leonardo DiCaprio into a movie and it would be a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. But all the parameters have changed these days. You know, people's tastes are fickle. It's and it's also a little bit of why television has supplanted film is because you know, there's only so many stories you can tell in an hour and a half, two hours. And people now are so used to these really rich and complex worlds that you find in TV because you're able to explore so much more. Yeah. Through a series, you mean? Yeah. Through a television series, just because you bite, you know, you have more episodes to play around with. Yeah. I know, uh, I know, you know, Netflix and Amazon have opened up so many different venues of, of places to put beautiful movies and TV shows. Uh, I mean, I've seen so much great work come out of both those things that, that I'd never see on like, say a network television series. So, um, maybe hopefully something along those lines plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And Netflix just opened up actually um, a branch here, a big branch here in Vancouver. And Vancouver is like one of the top production centers in North America anyway. So it was kind of a good fit for them. But they're also really active in New Mexico. Um, they've, they've dumped millions of dollars into that state and a really increased infrastructure. And my first novel, Completion, was organically set in New Mexico. So I'm kind of crafting the show and pitching it to them. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of differences or things you learned in going from the original novel of completion to, to this novel? You know what? One of the thing where I, I see the parallel is I love exploring elements that give me kind of a wide creative berth to explore. So in my first novel, Completion, the character, the lead character is a pyromaniac. And when I was exploring pyromania, it was so intriguing because there's sort of a fine line to what defines a pyromaniac versus an arsonist. Um, And pyromania is actually an impulse control disorder, kind of like kleptomania, where people get these emotional rushes and um, intense experiences. And the only way they can try and kibosh them is through the act of either stealing something or lighting a fire. But because there wasn't a ton of information on it, it was interesting because I could kind of adapt it to how um, my character was interpreting it. And so in A Rainbow Like You, the character of Hastings has synesthesia, a version called chromesthesia. And the medical community, it's still a mystery to them how synesthesia develops in humans. They don't even really know. So again, when, when I was interviewing people who had chromesthesia, which is that sound color association, everyone seemed to interpret it just a slightly different. Hmm. So it was great for me because then I could give Hastings, this character, her own interpretation of how she experienced it. I think most people, if they want to, experience music and color they they got to take some shrooms right (laughs) (laughs) i may or may not have been a proponent of that in a former life (laughs) 
<laughs> I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but, you know, this is the beauty of rock and roll, uh, and how it changes. Is there a genre that the music, uh, uh of the band is, is in? Yeah, well, so size of the scan, size of a scandal, which is the fictitious band, you know, I crafted them in my mind as kind of this, you know, this mega band, a little bit like what a U2 would have been at the height of their power mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, very, very popular and, um, their music kind of transcending a variety of different audience profiles, but, you know, firmly in the rock and roll arena. So is there a love story in here? Yes, but it's not between Adrian and the runaway, obviously, because that Mm. would be a bit creepy. Um, But uh, as the the story progressive, Adrian does meet a, uh, a love interest, which of course further complicates matters. I'm sure because, you know, when, when you're in a band and you're young and there's rock and roll, there's groupies. And I think we all, we all know how that scene goes. Uh, but I, well, you know, the, the interesting thing is that the problem was that, uh, that Hastings ends up being on this tour bus with Adrian. So it's like, then it becomes a little bit of cloak and dagger. Ah, so there's some of that going on. All right. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I, a lot of big, great bands that I followed, uh, some of their most successful times have contributed to their highest divorces. I remember Metallica talked about how when they made the black album and they went on like just this, I think it was like almost a two year tour. And they're like, by the time everyone was done with that tour, everyone was divorced and never relationship had been destroyed. <laughs> and it was just the, the fallout from from what most people would be like well you're hugely successful and your personal life is crumbling apart and and so definitely the these sort of stories and and things that i'm sure you put in the book are are uh really impactful and and give people an insight to the good bad and ugly of, of success and rock and roll well it's interesting you, you bring up that point because as i was writing the story i stumbled upon this fa- fascinating article which talked about musicians and depression specifically from from being on the road and as i mentioned earlier you know it's it's a tough life and so adrian um of course one of the things he's struggling with at the start of the story is the demise of his long-term marriage and a lot of that is attributed to being on the road and um, you know, not everyone uh, processes that kind of environment in, in a positive way. And for fans, it's completely different because, you know, we're so anticipatory. It's like, my band's coming to town. But then you don't think of, well, what does it mean for these people? They, they have to come from this high of the show and then they get like shuttled into this bus and then you're kind of driving for 10 or eight hours. And you're like, how do you get rid of all that energy? Which is why yeah. a lot of them turn to, to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of so many of my great rock god uh, idols that, uh, you know, into heroin and drugs and everything else. And and uh, one of my favorite songs, of course, is Bob Seger's uh, uh, On the Road Again. No, uh, 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 I, I'm not sure the title of it, but I th- you might know. I don't know if you were ever a Bob Seger's fan, but he had that famous song uh, that it was been covered. Um, on a long and lonely highway east of Omaha. Uh, uh, I, uh, I, I can't remember the title. It's not coming right now. I'm horrible with titles, but I'm great with. How much with... of a fan are you? <laughs> uh, exactly. Wow. Okay, I got called out. I got called out. Bob C. I've lost the Bob Seger fan crowd now. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, you think I'd remember the? I can't remember the chorus of the song. I can remember the beginning of it. And, uh, you know, he talks about being on the road and how lonely it is. And, and back in those days, you'd walk into a diner and people would be like, who is that a woman or a man? 
Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in those days with long hair and, and in the sixties and seventies, but, uh, uh, you know, he just talks about the loneliness of the road and, and, uh, how you try and pass the time and, and everything. So, uh, it's interesting how it goes. What are some other aspects of the book that would be, um, uh, that would encourage readers to go out and buy this? Well, I think again, you know, anyone who's a, who's a music fan, um, well, the story will resonate with them. And it's interesting because I was on a Sirius XFM uh, radio show a couple of weeks ago. And the guy who's who hosted is sort of a legend in the music industry. He's worked with all these major bands. And he threw me the hugest compliment and said that it was the most accurate portrayal of the music industry and being in a band that he has ever read. So I'm taking that compliment to my grave. <laughs> there you go. Run with it. Run with it. But, you know, it's just uh, it's just one of these wild, unexpected rides. And, you know, the, the whole combination of this um, struggling musician and a teen runaway it just has so many opportunities. And I think that's going to be the most surprising element for readers, because, again, you hear about that as sort of the lead into the store and you think, well, how does this actually work? What's going to happen between them? And like, it just goes into some very unexpected places. Awesome sauce. I just pulled the uh, I just pulled the the Google.com cheat, and it was Bob Seger's song "Turn the Page" from nineteen seventy three. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you have redeemed yourself. Uh, I I'll try. I don't know. I I I I guess Bob Seger will never be on the show at this pace. Um, so hashtag <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. So did uh, speaking uh, to that topic, did you do any research? Did you talk to any people in rock and roll or people that were tour managers, et cetera, et cetera? Was there any of that research that went into the book? Absolutely. And that's probably the, the, the greatest joy to me when I get to research. And I actually knew quite a few people in the, in the industry, people from artist managers who dealt with, you know, big, big names like Nora Jones, guys who'd been tour managers, musicians, um, singer songwriters, some of these people wanted to be publicly acknowledged. And then there were a lot of people like tour bus drivers and rare guitar dealers and um, venue managers that wanted to remain anonymous, but they all provided me some great juicy details. Yeah. I've had some friends that ran tours for Ozzy Osbourne, Sharon, uh, the Vans family tour they did, uh, Ozfest and stuff like that. It's a hard road. Uh, and I think in one tour, they, they uh, I think it was the Smashing Pumpkin singer basically overdosed. It was either Smashing Pumpkins or Pearl Jam. Uh, someone had overdosed on the show or on the during the tour, uh, and it was crazy. And you know, trying to get, um, trying to deal with all the things, and you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and lots of drugs. Um, and so it's it's uh, it's a pretty wild ride, but it's cool that you've taken people down that journey, and they can see how it uh, how it goes in the end. Um, does uh, how does the book end? Do you want to tell people on how it ends, or do you want to keep that a secret? Well, no, it's one of the, one of my hallmarks as a writer is that I have some great twists in my story. So if uh -huh. I reveal the ending, then it would take away all the fun. But uh, I will bet you five dollars that you can't bet the end. Bet the ending. That's awesome sauce. I love that. I I hate it when I watch a movie or read a book where I'm just like, I can see how this ending turns out. You know, most movies are I can easily do that where I'm just like, you know, it's I mean, good versus evil and, you know, good wins and, and usually that thing. But I love I love in endings that have a twist to them where you won't see them coming. So um, anything more we should know about the uh, book and and things that would entice people who want to go out and grab it? Yeah, well, there's a great LGBTQ character. She's a secondary character and she's the lead singer of this sort of scraggly punk outfit called Up Yours. 
And she was a ton of fun to write. And I've actually written an entire bonus chapter on her, which is going to be available on Book Funnel. But she was, um, you know, when you're, when you're writing stories, you want to have these main characters. But it's so much fun to populate stories with really memorable and colorful secondary characters. So that's something that I really strive to do as well. And, and the tour manager who is in this, the story, his name is Sven. He's this real uptight sweet Swedish dude. But um, his kind of journey and character line ends up being really interesting. And just how it's all interwoven, I think people are going to be really surprised. Definitely, definitely. Well, guys, uh, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming by and telling us about it. Oh, no, not a problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And give us your plug so people can look you up on the interwebs. Uh, absolutely. Well, my website is andreafazenfeld.com, and that's spelled F-E-H-S-E-N-F-E-L-D for my last name. And of course, A Rainbow Like You is available on the Amazon platform through Barnes & Noble, and it will be in chapters here in Canada come November. And if you want to listen to the song, then you can find it on Spotify or Apple Music, and the song is called A Rainbow Like You, and it's attributed to Adrian Johnson. There you guys go. Check it out. A rainbow like you. If you want to see the links to it, you can go to the chrisfossshow.com. We'll have it on, up there and several other podcasts. We'll also put a link to the to the song so that people can check that out as well. And of course, get you know, get some uh, traffic going there, SEO, all that good stuff. Uh, thanks to my audience for tuning in. Be sure to go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss. Uh, also go to youtube.com for just Chris Foss. Uh, go to uh, facebook.com for just the Chris Foss show.com. I feel like a record right now, just repeating itself. The, everything is the Chris Foss or Chris Foss. Uh, anyway, guys, we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be safe, wear your mask, vote, and we'll see you guys next time. Rock on. Rock on. I love that. <laughs>